We are in Champions League, man. That was my name. Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kearney. Joining us today is Jake Henry, Head of Coach Development at Notts County. He's also worked at Nottingham Forest as coaching and development lead in recent years really really interesting topic was excited to put this one together coaching the coaches leadership as a coaching director overseeing the development of coaching within a club framework something that we haven't spoke about on the podcast for some reason but something that I think a lot of coaches will resonate with it's huge for directors of coaching technical directors as well I feel So I think there's some fantastic insight from Jake here that you're really, really going to enjoy. If you do enjoy it, please share it on your Instagram, if possible, to help spread the word. Modern Soccer Coach on Instagram. There's also plenty of new stuff on the Modern Soccer Coach website. We've got a new article out today, actually, on visual aids and training design. So every time we release a YouTube video, we now supplement it with a free article on the website. With all the details and dimensions and follow-up from the YouTube video, there's no registration. You don't need to get an account. You just log in, modernsoccercoach.com. Very simple. New content out there every week. And if you want more information, more session design, you enjoy the work, please head over to modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. Check out the webinars, check out the ebooks. Plenty of new stuff up there as well. Thank you so much for your support. Here is Jake. Enjoy. Jake, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. Really, really excited to have you on. Ah, thank you very much. Really appreciate it, Gary. Really looking forward to it. Before we start recording, I just said to you there, it's, I can't believe I haven't done this topic and the amount of friends I have that are DOCs and leadership positions, especially in the US. Hopefully, we'll go into a little bit more depth and detail of the differences in the types of roles. But definitely overseeing this element of coaching, there's, there seems in my eyes to be a growth in this over the last five years, 10 years um, in the game at youth levels today. Why do you think it's a big priority for clubs? You're right. There's been a huge push over the last sort of five or 10 years, um, particularly uh, here in, in England, like with the progression of the academy system. I'd like to think it's been a recognition of the fact that um, a big thing I talk about is better coaches make better players. It's as simple as that, really, for me. Um, Who are we to try and expect the players to develop and grow and thrive in the environments they're in if the coaches can't as well? Um, I think it's a recognition of coaching as a profession as well, that people have been able to see that there's a real career pathway within coaching at various different levels with it across the game all across the world to show that that these people need development these people need growth in themselves and um rather than you have coaches who might be part of the program or part of football for 10 15 years and then obviously look life life becomes chaotic and life overtakes sometimes and um 
how are we supporting those people to still continually grow and want to be part of uh, a football environment? I think that th this sort of role is is a reflection that we're, we're working on that and we're trying to make sure that we we recognise people rather than just recognise the fact that like kids and players like playing football. Um, but there's a there's a people human element to this as well. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's the, the huge progression in this country in particular um, for people outside of, of England has been the in the the implementation of the head of coaching role across academies all across the country. So every professional football club now has the head of coaching role and their primary function is to develop the coaches and develop the, the programme that was initially supported financially by the Premier League. Um, and now is a requirement for every role uh, for every club. Sorry, um, but we're supported by the Premier League with our development as well through the Elite Head of Coaching Program, um, which is a fantastic program. I'm, I'm in my second year, um, and that's been running for for a decade now. Um, fantastic program. So there's there's a lot of progression definitely been made. But yeah, like I say, I think it, I think it's a reflection of of the whole coaching profession rather than it just being. Um, something that we think should be done it's recognizing this is a career path for people yeah and and as we move forward in the conversation it's probably worth establishing initially is that it is a coaching oversight coaching development you're you're not a, a duc that's taken two three age groups and doing five six different things right yeah yeah so uh, my role in particular at the moment yeah overseeing the whole coaching program um so everything from sort of the the coaches that work with seven or eight year olds all the way through to uh, coaches that are working with 20 21 year olds on the periphery of our our first team environment or in and out of that so all of those coaches which for me is nearly 30 coaching staff um a mixture of, of full-time staff and and part-time staff that balance that with with other employment um and so that that itself brings challenges but yeah rather than concentrating on just like a, a a small few groups and thinking about what those teams look like it's it's more my team is the coaches and they have then their players to work with is essentially the way it works all right million dollar question then how is success measured in that there if you don't have any teams yeah, great question. And and I think this is the beauty of the role in that um, every, every individual success is different. So some people will have success in mind that is within your football club. And that's fantastic. You can help them achieve that. You can help them grow towards that if that's realistic for them as well. Um, so they might have a, a certain goal of becoming, they might be a part-time coach, they want to be a full-time coach and they want to achieve a certain qualification by a certain point, whatever that would be. You might see some success within that. You might see some success with people who go on to achieve things elsewhere. Um, so that there's those elements of success uh, and, and you can measure those. Obviously, if, you, if you're really clear on people's development action plans. But I think the other area of success, ultimately, Although I am coaching the coaches, the success is that is the players developing and the players growing um, and that that level of success, because if I'm able to help the coaches get better, they can then help their, their players get better. Their players get better. They grow. They go through systems. They end up with careers within football, wherever that is in the world, at whatever level that is. 
um, and or they go on to achieve other things. And hopefully you hope that the impact you've made on them as a, as a person through the coaches has allowed them to go in and progress um, on, a, on, a, on a different level as well. So defining success is difficult uh, and it's different for every person. Um, and that's what's great about the role that you can you can decide what success is alongside somebody else. I think the the difficulty for for somebody in a role like mine is to tell people what their success is. Um, some people need that. Some people need to go, no, 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 success for you is doing this or achieving this or sustaining yourself where you are as well, um, because that sometimes gets overlooked. Whereas some people come to you and go, success means this to me. And then, brilliant, that's a challenge for me. How do I get you there? In these podcasts we've done how many episodes we've done on on culture and, and team culture but you're you're establishing a different type of culture i'm guessing with uh self-development curiosity uh level of engagement around getting better and progressing uh, how well first of all like what how would you how would you describe the culture you're trying to build with the coaches and then second of all like what, what are some keys to build in that um so I suppose for me at the moment, um, with where I'm at, it's aligned to our club, which is great. Um, we're trying to build the like a, a learning and development culture, regardless of whether you're a, a player who comes into us for an hour a week or you're a coach who works here 100 hours a week. Hopefully they're not working 100 hours a week, but you get my point. Um, the, um, the, the, we allow, well, what we're trying to do is is create this this thirst for knowledge and people want to learn and want to grow. Um, big thing for me is that in, in terms of developing that, I'll produce a development program for everybody. Um, so a development program that would include all staff. Um, so that will have everyone within the academy program would be part of that. Um, but then also a development program that's individual to them. Um, and then my encouragement is to then essentially get them to come to me. Um, I have a certain amount of time that I would say this is for everyone or this is for a certain group of you for whatever reason that is. And then there's blank time and that time's available. So if you want it, come and get it. Um, because we talk to players, don't we, a lot as coaches about well, who are the players that are out doing extras uh, like after training or are going out on their day off or who wants to eat right and drink right and sleep right. And we profess all of this as coaches, but what about us as coaches? So what about the coaches who want to read, want to watch things, want to listen to things, want to go and watch other people work, want to take themselves out of their comfort zone? Um, they're, they're the ones, hopefully, that will approach somebody in a role like mine and say, how can you help me? Or I really want to get better at this. And, I, and then I can go, great, let's do it. Let, let's find a let's put something in place and let's find something that helps us to do that so um it's it's a little bit of give and take it's a little bit of me going this this is really good for you all this is a really good way of doing things um for you to learn but also trying to encourage them to come to me or come to somebody like me and go right, come on I, I want a bit more than this um which is a difficult balance to strike um but if you're able if you recruit the right people you have the right people around you and the right people in your environment um it's you, you tend to find that you have those conversations more informally than you ever realize and sometimes sitting down for example sitting down preparing for this i started thinking about 
some of the coaches that I work with at the moment or I've worked with in the past that that are those coaches that come to you and even ones that still text you now or call you now to have a conversation rather than it being like you're having to chase them they're the ones that are really pushing themselves and are really developing um and that's really pleasing to see when you see that so consistent with players isn't that so consistent yeah. yeah we're all people aren't we so if if we if we ask the players to do these things because they're human beings we can do the same with coaches it's learning is learning the context is the only different thing um that that's the way i see it anyway yeah brilliant the development action plan then let's let's go into that there so that's something that uh, i'm right you started at forest and you're you're also doing it at the road at Notts county um that's for every coach at every age group yeah so um as part of what the the role is within the premier league clubs every every coach needs a development action plan um so that allows them to um understand what they're working towards um what i've tried to do over time is make this a a living document um now learning isn't linear learning isn't getting from a to b all the time yeah we need to find a space to recognize that learning takes place in different ways for different people at different times so so there is a um a plan uh, a document that's in place but essentially after the first conversation every single coach's action plan is different because everybody's got different things they need everybody's got different things they want everybody's got a different speed at which that can happen everybody's got different time that they can lend to these things um and i think for me it's important to recognize that even if i feel they need to get better for example with their technical development on the on the grass with the players in terms of really delving down into technical small technical details they might not be at that place yet so it might be about putting that within their action plan that that's something we're working towards but what's the step before that so then being able to work with them to put something in place to know that we're working towards something we're working towards where we want to get to um and a lot of the work we do here at Knotts now um, is around the, the North Star model. Um, so for those who might not be aware, um, it's essentially a development model where everybody has a North Star. So the ultimate end point, the place they'd really like to get to, the place that, that would, they would feel would be that's that's it. Then when you talk about success, I, I've achieved, I've got where I want to go. Now, for some people, that North Star might be something that's aspirational and they might never achieve that and that's okay and it's there's nothing wrong with that but if you know what that is and you know the sort of direction you want to go in you can start to understand what comes before that and if you break that all the way down to what you need to do day to day so here and now tomorrow what do i need to do the small detail to start myself on the path towards what my north star is at the end then that's where the learning takes place in the middle and it becomes messy, it becomes chaotic, but it's real. And so uh, we needed, I felt as coaches, we need something that reflected that. So it's something that um, I can contribute to, the coaches can contribute to. Um, if we need to, other disciplinary staff can, can contribute to. So it might be um, within sports science department or recruitment or wherever it would be if they've done some work with them um it's very much a a document that's living and breathing um that allows them to see 
hopefully there's like certain checkpoints that they've been able to go if they look back at it and go oh actually like two years ago i said i wanted to get towards my north star in i don't know three years i'm two years down the line and i'm still actually right down the bottom affecting my day-to-day things so then you can start having a conversation about right how realistic is that north star time frame now so what do we need to do to alter that and what do we maybe need to do in the middle is it me as a coach developer that's not impacting things day to day for you is it you do you need to maybe make some alterations to be able to impact that um or or is the direction between those two points changed do we need to go somewhere else to in order to get there um we're, we're all used to like bumps in the road for players I'll, I'll relate it to players again we talk about manipulating players uh development journeys to give them bumps in the road to make things difficult for them um i'm not saying i do that for coaches but we we predominantly as adults compared to children have bumps in the road a lot of the time we have lots of other things that we're trying to deal with so sometimes the bump in the road does put a little stop for a while and that's all right as well so we have to be able to recognize that within people's learning and and people's development so so yeah every every coach gets that and like i said after the initial conversation when we build that after that everybody's completely different um so it makes that difficult and it makes that a lot of work but i think that's that's reflective of those individuals then yeah probably to the detriment of coaching a lot of young coaches start off looking at being Pep or Jose and in, in, in as quick as possible. But you, you mentioned there about having the technical uh, competency or whatever that is. It, do you have something to say? Like, let's say there is a young coach that says, listen, I want to be a first team coach. You know, what does it look like at that North Star? Like how many boxes need to be ticked? Or can you give us a, an overview of that? Um, it's not necessarily about like ticking at certain boxes, but we we try and focus like really clearly on what, what we can affect day to day um so day to day the process what what are we actually doing our processes impact our performance so then that then usually positive performance over time allows us to achieve another sort uh, another level so that might be that next level might be a certain position or a certain qualification that that's more of a, a tick box point that we need to get to to unlock the potential to get towards the north star so let's use your example of um like a somebody starting out wants to work in first team football um absolutely no nothing wrong with that aspiration whatsoever but the in order to get there they need to hold certain qualifications they're going to have to have certain experiences there's also a, a knowledge and understanding that we're going to need to build our network and understand who the people are that might be able to help us get there um understanding what that actually is at that level what is that job so i think some people see it on they see it on tv or they'll they'll hear it on podcasts or that and they think wouldn't first team football be great isn't it brilliant um but then some people when they get near it the reality is that it's so all-consuming in their life that it's not something they actually want to do um so sometimes being able to go through this process allows people to go actually i really like working with young children or i actually like an environment where it's competitive but it's not in the spotlight all the time 
and it might be in the spotlight from time to time. So for us, that might be um, professional development phase football. So under 18s, under 21s or B team environments um, where it's competitive, it's league based, there's cups. You might get some social media attention from time to time because of that if you do well and things like that. That might fuel the ego slightly, um, but actually allows people to say whether that this is it for me. I, I like this. This is really good. So now I'm here. My North Star was that. But now I know what that is. I, I'm actually going to refocus myself. So rather than trying to say that you've got to go through this level and this level and this level and this level to be able to get where you want to go, um, I, I try to like, look at four four things. If North Star's at the top and things you're doing day-to-day are at the bottom, what are the two things in the middle that are influencing that? Um, because otherwise we can go after so many different things and we can try and be... We try and be the best at everything rather than focusing on what might make me have some form of expertise in a certain field. Does that help that? Does that contextualize that a little bit better? Oh, 100%. It's, it's just fascinating because, like you're right, as you go up the ladder, dynamics change. Uh, you get a, a little bit, it's like going just another height of elevation where you're like, oh, the air's a bit thinner up here and, and I might not be suited to that. But you've also got less control, probably, as you get on up. You know, you've got certain environments you think are champ manager, and they're it looks more like the Sunderland documentary. You know, it's it's <laughs> really tough based operating. So it's interesting uh, to see how how you work on that. But I, I like that. So you're saying there is is almost like you keep the process, the process, and you keep them on that there, and then you have the conversations around that that then allows them to adapt and hopefully gain a better understanding or awareness of who they are yeah definitely definitely i think that that's the most important thing there's there's always going to be a more a more formal side of coach development when you're looking at qualifications and things like that that's where your more tick boxing exercise comes from because in order to gain a qualification you have to show certain competencies and certain abilities and that variety in what you do so um i'm there to support that side of it and that for some people fuels them really really well because they're able to see something happening and they're able to go i know i can do that and that's written down there so i can do that but actually the the softer skills i don't really like that term but the the bits that you are like you said you're talking about it's more informal it's more feel it's more understanding that's much more difficult to put down on a on a piece of paper or on a plan with somebody but it is something that's really powerful when you sit and have a conversation with someone over a period of time and go do you remember when we had this conversation a year ago you said this to me and use their words and they go wow okay like and it is it's that that sometimes going back to one of your earlier questions about success that it's hard to quantify that as success but actually having that conversation can that's the little bit of light bulb that makes someone go okay like i am making progress here i am growing i am developing alongside my more formal things that i'm doing um that's that that's probably for me that's where the most powerful things come um again if we want to relate it to players 
players would see being retained each year, going through the age groups and getting a contract when they're professionals, staying within their role, getting a new contract, being paid more money. That's your tick box in going through that sort of more formal side, but um, scoring more goals, more assists, etc. They're all things we can do. But what about the way that they receive the ball and they're able to maybe manipulate their body a little bit better than they were a year ago and we're able to show them video to show, well, remember we talked about dropping that left shoulder just a little bit more because it distributes your weight a little bit differently, right? Well, look, look at this clip. Now look at this clip. That takes time. That can't be done. In it. And, and we know this as coaches, but sometimes we don't apply that same logic to us as individuals in our own coach development so that's probably the bit that's the most it's the most difficult bit to do but it's the most exciting bit as well it's the most difficult bit by a mile i'm thinking because coaches are really really good at assessing players but not as skilled as remembering how they assess them at certain times and relating it back to themselves like oh this is what you said two years ago that could even be, this is what you said about player X two years ago, and you don't even remember yeah. that there. So yeah. I guess, how do you how do you balance there between to, between support and almost truth-telling? You know, like that's, that's got to be... <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. There's, there's a time and a place for being able to say, look, I need to be the person who says something that you might not want to hear. Um, Again, we'll say that to players. Unfortunately, we have difficult conversations with players at times. So sometimes we have to have difficult conversations with the coaches, of course. And and that striking that balance and saying, look, okay, I know we're on this path. I know we're trying to grow wherever we want to go. But this isn't good enough. Uh, there, there's a standard here. I think being able to be really clear within your club about what the standards are, what your values are, who you are as people that's what you can always lean back on. So if we're not meeting our own standards or there's something that's really clear within our own environment, again, going back to something you mentioned earlier, culture, then you should be able to check and challenge that within your own staff anyway. Um, the utopia for me as a coach developer is that I hear and I see the coaches doing that to each other because it's who we are as a club, it's who we are as people that we're able to have those conversations amongst ourselves without it becoming confrontation, with it just being taken in the right way and being able to go, okay, yeah, I can see that that's where you're, where you're coming from. That's your perspective and that's fine. Um, obviously, sometimes I, I have to have those conversations um, and yeah, they are more difficult. And, um, and that's where you go back to that balance of wants and needs. Some people might want to work in a first team environment, as you alluded to earlier what are they able to do that is a different conversation and if they're not able to do it now are they able to do it in the future no one ever really knows but then there might have to be some difficult conversations in the here and now to say well i don't think that's realistic at this moment in time so where are we going to go that's realistic for you sometimes that means that you and that person and your club don't align anymore and that's okay because there'll be an environment where that, that does work. Um, but sometimes, uh, for me, the, the real, the people who are really trying to grow themselves and are really trying to learn as a coach won't like it 
but they'll take a little bit of time to take stock, reflect, think about themselves, think about the conversation, maybe come back, have a bit more of a conversation to learn a bit more about it and then go, okay, great. Now what we're going to do and embrace whatever comes next. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's really difficult, really, really tough. It's fascinating that it's also a role of like, you're almost a positive disruptor because as coaches then and as adults, like, yeah, we're human. And as you get in a job and you work in that job for 10, whatever years or, or you know, a few years, even you start to get in your routines and, and become comfortable in your salary, your day to day, whatever that is. And, it, and you can, as a coach, you can rinse and repeat for years and years without understanding that, hey, the game's moving in this direction. So I'm sure that helps even check-ins and having that there to be like, listen, we're, we're always moving here. Because if you didn't have that, who would do it for you? Yeah, and, and I think that's that's part of it for me that I try and reflect back on maybe where I was at the start of my coaching journey and think, would I have liked someone doing that to me? And, and that's, uh, I'm trying to be somebody who I would have liked. And I understand that means that not everybody's going to like me because we're all different people. Um, but it's exactly that, that if you think about, you, if you had that person in your life at some point, the positive influence they had on you, you might not have liked what they said at the time or it might have had some difficult conversations at some point. I've had people who I... I recognise as, as friends, really close friends and, and mentors within the industry that I've had conversations with. And at the time thought, I, I really thought you believed in me and that you thought that this was something that I could do. And and now I look back at that conversation and go, no, no, they did believe in me and they did think I could do it, but they had to have a difficult conversation with me. And like trying to break somebody from, like you said there, with um, consistency in their lives like you can come into an environment where people have been for a, for a long, long time and they they like the way things are and they develop in a, well, they develop coach, uh, sorry, players in a certain way and they might be slightly resistant to something new and something a little bit innovative, a little bit creative. Um, ultimately, they get left behind by the industry, not by me as an individual or by anybody else. But the industry will eventually leave those people behind. Um, one of one of the coaches springs to mind for me that I've I worked with, who's been at the same club for probably fifteen years now, pretty much in exactly the same role for that amount of time as well. Um, but is at the forefront of what that club's trying to do because he's constantly evolving and pushing himself and trying to learn and trying to understand so there's not a breakdown of like well i've always done it this way um because if we always produce players as well they've go back to the players analogy if we always keep if we keep coaching players the way we've always coached players then the game doesn't move forward if we coached players now in 2024 in the way we coached players in 2014 10 years ago we're doing them a disservice because we're producing players that aren't fit for what could be the modern game moving forward. So us as coaches have got to be reflective of that. We've got to see that, well, okay, what does a, what does a coach look like at the level I want to be at in 10 years time? What could they be? 
what could they be looking for? What are the skills I've got to go out and find? What are the the tools I need? Like, who do I need to know? We'd expect the players to do that. So again, we have to do it, don't we? Yeah, I, just when I like, I was thinking about my own experiences there, and like how many people. It's very, very difficult to get feedback as a coach, particularly as a college coach. When I was in the college space, your your athletic director and the people above you are normally not soccer people so they don't really understand the context of what you're delivering how blah 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 i went to i went to an event i delivered a session at this event and there was a guy there if i remember right his name was keith mincer um yeah okay yeah he's from england Um, yeah keith mincer yeah yeah and he 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 asked if he could watch my session and um i was like i fine of course and then he at the end of it he he stood around the players and he was he just put his head down the whole time and I thought it was really bad manners that he wouldn't even, you know, he was kinda of dozing off or he wasn't really engaged or whatever he was doing. But he was closing his eyes and he was listening to real intent and deliberate about how he was listening to the, the points I was given. Mm. And then uh, of course afterwards he was like, Listen, can I grab a coffee with you? And I was like, Yeah, of course. And I, I it might have been the most powerful feedback I've ever received. Like he kindly opened my eyes to words and mannerisms and how I was presenting stuff. But you go away from that and you think, imagine if you were getting that every week or once a month, you know? Jeez. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's that like for me that's a great it's a great story. It's 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 a powerful one because I really resonate with that. That's our that's our role. That's a coach developer's role. And to say and sometimes some of the coaches want what was my session like? Like, what? Oh, did you see when I made this progression? Or when you're watching the game? Oh, do you remember I made this substitution and I changed the system and then this happened. And then I, I might go back with, yeah, but did you see what happened to him over there? And they're like, pardon? Like, well, did you see the impact it had on the player that you actually took off? Did you see the impact on the way that you addressed it to the team and the way that they, did they really buy into it straight away because of the words you use, the, the man, like you said, the mannerisms you use, the, when you're progressing a session, one of the biggest things that I'm, I, you see a lot and you might, um, you might recognize this as well. A coach will stop a session and you see a player on the other side of the pitch, throw his arms in the air or get frustrated. And the coach hasn't seen that because it's 50 yards away and they don't know it's happening. But for me, that's my role to see that and then maybe understand why that happened and maybe have that conversation with that player. And then if it's right, relay that back to the coach and maybe have a conversation, understand their reason for stopping the session at that point or making the change that they made or saying something the way they said it. Hearing their point first and then go, well, well, here's just another opinion for you. Here's something else to look at. Um, And like you said, if, if you're able to have those conversations more and more, then it, that's the informal stuff. That's not something that you're going to write down. It's not something that you can say, oh, well, I, I need that in my development action plan. That's the bit where I talked about feel earlier. You have to feel the sessions that you're in, feel the games that you're in, and that because emotion comes with that. And that's where you're able to give those elements of feedback. Um, I'm in no way trying to say I'm anywhere near that kind of level of being able to get that sort of feedback from you and say, like, it really opened my mind and things like that. That's 
Um, that's fantastic. If you have someone that can make you feel like that, ultimately as a coach, for me, that's what you should be looking for. That you should be looking for that person that can get you to that place. Um, because that's what helps you grow and what's help what helps you develop. Yeah, it it can be it can be tough because sometimes that's coaching, sometimes you're realizing that everyone's agreeing with you because of the dynamic that you're making all the decisions and picking the team. So yeah. once you get someone who can provide a deeper insight in a role that's hey, listen, there's there's a hundred things that you could tweak here and, and take in different directions. I just think that's that's amazing. Well, just on that, what you mentioned there about not critiquing the session, but I, I, I did want to ask about methodology, like how much of your job, I know there's no exact answer to this, but how much of it is, you know, assessing whether people are implementing the methodology and the playing philosophy and all that versus those little nuances that you talked about there? Yeah, so it's, it's a really, really difficult part of it because everybody does it differently as well, uh, uh, particularly at the clubs here. Um, again, some people will, will will take notes as they're watching. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, again, this is just my opinion because I didn't like when I was coaching seeing the guy stood in the corner with his notepad writing notes. Uh, I didn't like that. Um, I try and be, if I can, a boots on coach developer. So I'll put my boots on, I'll stand next to you and you, and I will go, what am I here for? Do you want me to coach in your session? And then I get a feel for what it's like to coach within your session. If you give me a certain thing to do, do you want me to be that little person on your shoulder, just off, just listening to those little conversations. And then I might step forward, give you a question to think about and step back again. Do you want me to do that? Um, do uh, how do you want to utilize me when i'm on the grass with you or on a game with you how like, how do you want that then so that's it sort of like in the moment but then from an a like assessment's a really difficult word um because we're we're not necessarily trying to achieve something so the way i like to do it i like to use the term catching coaches in so we always talk about catching people out potentially i like catching them in and going right well that's a really positive reflection of our game model or our methodology or our language that you're using there so for example i might um film that film their session mic them up so i can hear all the little drive-by conversations they're having with the, with the players as well um send that to the coach afterwards so they get the chance to sit watch their hour 90 minute session back um and and have some thoughts themselves and then what i'll do is um i'll do some data feedback for them so that will be focused around our language as a club so we'll have certain within certain moments we'll want to use certain words that's the bit where i was talking about earlier about a line in the program all the way from those seven eight year olds up to the 20 21 year olds but the language is what does that so how many times if they had a certain focus for their session were they using the relevant language within that so can the players can recognize that so that gives them actual data to go on also gives them data around what type of coaching interventions they make so are they being quite direct or like command style with them? Is it question and answer? Is it observation and feedback, trial and error, guided discovery? Not only that in terms of how they say that, but what type of intervention was it? So was it a global intervention? So if they've got 
and they're doing an 11 v 11 they've got 22 players on the pitch did their intervention affect every single player was it a global one that in, in or and everything down to like 7 v 7 so 14 players for example um is it a, was it an intervention that went to a unit was it an intervention that went to an individual was it an intervention that stopped the practice or didn't stop the practice how much time did it take them to move from one practice to another so when they think they had a drinks break that lasted 30 seconds and they and everyone goes got 30 seconds is on my watch and then three and a half minutes later their practice still hasn't started but in their head they've said 30 seconds so it's 30 seconds the data doesn't lie that says well that was you said 30 seconds great but so where did the other three minutes go that was three minutes of playing for those players and coaching for you um all of the and then on top of that how what type of um feeling did that interaction give them so was it positive or encouraging um was it negative so that would be so both of those are both verbal and non-verbal communication so their body language are they folding their arms are they clapping their hands are they throwing their arms in the air celebrating are they throwing their arms in the air they're frustrated at the referee um and yeah so positive negative and encouraging like which which area does that communication fall within Within that, they'll get some, they'll get sort of, if it was a 90 minute session, a three minute highlight video um, of things that are positive that catch them in. So things that they're working on in their development action plan or things that align to us at the club. And this all kicks out into one page, basically. It's one dashboard um, that gives them all that information in one go. So we've done the session together. They've then watched the session back and then we sit down in a room and I stick it all up on the screen and I go, right, what do you want to talk about? and give them a bit of time to dissect which bits of the data they want to talk about why and and maybe give some context and then show them some highlights um and we do uh, a reflection that we audio record as part of that as well so um do that right after the session as a hot or the game as a hot reflection um so something that they would give themselves a green on something they would do again something that's an amber something that they they liked but could be done better and a red, so something that they would go, that, that really didn't work, or I won't do that again, or something like that. And I'll give them the same as well. So we'll have that at the end of the session. And then after our reflection process as well, because then we're able to take the emotion out of it. We've taken some time. We've both watched the video. We've both gone through data. We're able to maybe have slightly different reflections over time. So all the coaches get that. Um, my aim is to try and do two sessions and two games with them a season um, for that. So over like a 10 month period um, and try and do that different types of sessions, different types of games. Um, so that they get that as well as all the other stuff. So that won't happen every single time I'm with them. Um, but that maybe gives us a bit of a different way of going, right, well, if you want to, if they're aiming to, for example, um, increase the amount of ball rolling time they've got in their session, they feel that like over a couple of sessions there, the ball's only been rolling for sort of 60, 65% of the session. We look at the data and actually it's around 55, right? Well, what are we going to do about it? Here's, here's all the gaps that you had. Here's all the stoppages you had. Here's all that time, right? That's, so that's your focus. Then in a few months' time, let's do another one. Has that figure gone up? So has ball rolling gone up? Have all these other ones come down? Where are we at at the end of the season? That's that like that element of being able to help them around what they want to get better at, but also what we feel they can get better at as a club. Um, 
So a lot goes into that. I realised we're just talking about that quite a lot. So I apologise. Um, is um, that would be our way of sort of you said like assessing, but it's more around catching the coaches in and ensuring that they're really focusing on something for their development. I really like that. Really, really like that. You're you're also like when you think about it, there's no. Well, initially, when when I think about it, I'm like it's very, very hard to measure a session objectively. But there, you give well quite a few. You break it down, and you said data like that. That's very, very interesting. Um, that you can then build awareness again, right? Yeah, and, and it's important to remember the context of the session and also the the aim that they were like the focus that they were going after as well. But because sometimes. If you're going after something really specific, somebody might view a session and say, well, they should have coached that bit. That bit needed to be better. Or that player keeps making that same mistake over and over and over again. And he's not he's not coached him or her. But the reality is that's not their focus at that moment in time. So that we have to understand that everything we do as a coach has a benefit and a trade-off. Every bit of language we use has a benefit and a trade-off. Every bit of intervention has a benefit and a trade-off. So if I if I intervene and I have a global intervention, I try and affect everybody in that session in one go, the benefit is everybody gets something. Everybody gets something to go on. Everybody gets a bit of information from me as the coach. The trade-off is that that's probably going to take me a little bit longer than it would do normally because I've got more to say and more to do. The flip side of that is right at the other end where you give them trial and error. Here you go. Here's the practice. Go and solve problems for me. Uh, I want you to achieve this. Benefits, fantastic. Loads of benefits that they get to be able to try things and, and probably repeat them over and over and over again. And the ball rolling time is really, really high. But what's the trade-off? Now, the quality might not be quite as high. It might be more chaotic. It might be to the onlooking eye, it might look like you're not coaching. And that's a really difficult thing for some coaches to get their head around that, like from a distance, whether it's the parents that are watching or senior staff that are watching um, and whatever environment this is within, might go, why is he just stood there? Uh, the reality is actually what you've done is really skilled and you've planned things really, really detailed and you're allowing things to come out. That, that's a it's it's difficult to see that without really understanding things so um yeah it's that that's a, a big a big part of trying to understand what the coaches are, are trying to achieve allows me to help them with their feedback so their feedback might look like you said when you're looking at all that data and things like that it might look like it was a I don't know, for example, data might be really low in the areas they want to go after and they might beat themselves up and they might think that's really negative and they might think that that's something they've not actually developed the players in. But what about all this other stuff they did? That was brilliant. And they learned loads of stuff here. And so, it, and but likewise, the data could look great. Absolutely brilliant. But actually, how many people got better in that session? And that's where the feel comes back into it. The conversations you've got to have and, and being able to contextualize things comes back into that. There's never going to be an exact science to coach development. Um, uh, I'm trying, trying being the key word to blend both together, but it's quite hard. Yeah, I think a lot of coaches in America, especially, 
struggle with that. You said there sometimes not coaching is is great coaching, um, because of the the dynamic of parents and the dynamic of maybe the perception of what great coaching is. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? About like how you would manage that there as a coach to be like, even though everyone's looking at me here, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, again, it's. When, when the spotlight's on and you're in an environment, particularly like I said, when uh, there might be parents or like I said, senior staff and things like that are on looking and you feel like they need to see me do something here. Um, that's where the like micing people up and having a microphone on really becomes a benefit because what you can't hear from a hundred yards away is that every time that player runs past that coach, he's giving him positive reinforcement or he's giving him another challenge or he's recognizing so noticing noticing is one of the biggest things in coaching for me just being able to notice something is so important um one of the, one of my coaches here um when i did one of those sessions that i was talking about um there's a bit i clipped up um and i shared with him where he's talking into the microphone about the thing he's about to coach because it wasn't the right time to coach it so the thing I loved about that was he noticed it. So I knew that he'd seen what had happened, but he also had the awareness to know that that wasn't the right time to coach it because it would have upset the flow of the session. It might have then broken down something that would, would have been really beneficial for some of the other players around that individual. So he just talked into the mic and essentially told me that I've seen it. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to wait for this to happen when this happens. And then about 30 seconds later, the ball went out, bang, straight away, straight on that player, talking to him right? because it was a slight moment that we had 10 seconds to be able to get that message across. That for me is top, top level coaching that you can't see from a distance because all you see from the distance is the bit that needs coaching and somebody not coaching it in theory. Um, so it's, it's so difficult to do because you can feel like oh, I, I need to coach that bit because if I don't coach that bit, someone's going to say something to me. Um, and that's where I'm trying to be in, in the role I am and, and with the other senior staff within the club to be able to say, all right, we've seen it, but let's see if they've seen it. And, and my development comes in if they haven't further down the line. Now, if I go over and I have a conversation and go, what happened? Right. In that last phase of play, oh, uh, I saw that he's, he's tried to turn out on his right foot, whereas actually if he just stayed on his left foot, he had that little slide ball in behind. But I'm just going to pick it up with him now in a moment. Okay, great. That's me. I don't say anything now because I know he's seen it. Now, if he goes, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. What do you mean? Right. Okay. That's a chance for me to help. It's a chance for me to show something. So um, it's, it's brave to do as a coach sometimes because you've you can feel like you've got to say something and you've got to be heard and you've got to be seen. Um, but if you've set your challenges really clearly with the players, either individually in small groups, collectively as a, as a team, and you allow them to breathe, allow the session to flow a little bit, then you're more than likely going to see that they will get there. It's, at what point do you recognize that you're going to have to step in and help? So, um, yeah, really difficult thing to do for coaches to essentially stay quiet <laughs> and that, yeah. um, because we, 
as humans we want to help sometimes and sometimes we have to we have to let them help themselves at times it's hard isn't it yeah i mean it's i mean that is that is skillful coaching there because again we're, we've all been assessed on getting your three points to get out of there and then <laughs> yeah. you've also like the youth game uh when i think about that I, there's a lot of I wonder when I look at sessions if coach if players associate the negative as the coach finding it, whereas they could, for example, if they're doing a build out session and they give the ball away and the coach stops it, they haven't experienced well, what's the negative here? Like I'll give the yeah. ball away, but yeah. but if if you let it go ten more seconds, you might see a goal from it, a different feeling. You've experienced yeah. what the negative is. Or or we might win the ball back and have another chance to build. Yeah. And so at which point, rather than you having to start from your start point, you actually get a natural point where you start building from, which happens all the time in the game. So, and that's what I mean about recognising it. So then if you've recognised, for example, it's gone out to your central defender, he's given the ball away. Mm, that's the fifth time he's tried to play that same pass today. And it's been cut out five times now. Right now, I, I need to do something about that as a coach. Now, I need to choose the right intervention style, the right intervention time, the right words that I use, the time in which I do all of that. That level of detail needs to come into it. But that might be the time. I'm not saying you have to wait five times. You know different players in different ways. But if you, as you 100% agree with you, if you do that the very first time, how do you know if they were ever going to learn? How do you know if they were going to make that better? And that's the same for me as a coach developer. If I go over straight away, when I see that happen for the first time and I see a coach not coach it, how do I know that the coach wasn't going to do that next time it happened? How do I know that they haven't learned in that situation? They haven't in their head gone, I could have coached that, couldn't I? Right, okay, I'm going to let, I'll, I'll, next time I see that, I'm going to pick that up. And the next time it happens, they pick it up. Then I'm able to go, great, no problem. Like they're, they're adapting to the situation themselves. There's so many parallels between player development and coach development and and it, but sometimes we feel as coach developers we have to give answers all the time yeah. and we have to almost hold hands but if we treat them like players yeah some magical stuff can happen do you know what's interesting there we're like how, how long we're into this conversation like we haven't talked once about like build out is the only thing that we've referenced the actual <laughs> yeah. game but but yeah. i feel like in a lot of and I'm not knocking. There's a lot of really, really good stuff in coach education today, but but sometimes we we look down the road of periodization models and and tactical methodology or whatever you want to call it. Mm. But yeah, there's a, there's yeah there's literally hundreds of ways that you can make little changes. To yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's it's a huge. Well, obviously. The game is the game of football, and we're all in. We're all in that game because we enjoy it and we enjoy the level of detail within it. And trust me, I could have sat here and spoke to you for the last hour about X's and O's and the yeah. way we build and the way we press and the way we try and create and uh, and fantastic. I'd have loved that. Brilliant. But if we as coaches aren't recognising all this other side of things, then we can have all the knowledge in the world. But if we can't address it, if we can't, find a way to communicate it with our players if we can't connect with our players if we can't connect with other coaches then it doesn't matter how knowledgeable you are it really doesn't you're not able to actually develop those players and that's the most important part is making the players better and so you have to find a way to do that and likewise for someone like me or someone else in another role like me 
my thing is to help that was to help the coaches get better if i do that they find a way to make the players better the players get better and then who knows what happens to those players further down the line see when you're looking at you mentioned there about well actually two questions first of all see when you see when you're looking at coaches coming in and coach recruitment then maybe you see someone at a a grassroots club <laughs> what would jump out to you there about about trying to pinpoint someone with personality or a skill set it's a great question and the reason i'm smiling when you ask me is because two of my coaches asked me this question yesterday and um, because we had somebody in for an interview with us yesterday and said what are you actually looking for and i went okay we're 10 minutes into this session i'll ask you would you give him a job yes or no now before before all of that I've been through an application. I've been through a CV. I've done um, this for a part-time position. I've done a, a telephone interview. So I've got to know them a little bit in, over the phone. Um, you're able to obviously find out a lot about people nowadays with the way the world is. Um, but I've had conversation with them on the phone for 20, 25 minutes. 10 minutes in, I knew I, knew I was going to offer this person a position within our football club. And I asked our staff without saying that, and I said, would you give him a job? And they said, yes. I said, okay, why? Why would you give him a job? I know more about him than you do. You've seen him literally for 10 minutes. You don't. You know his name and you've seen him coach for 10 minutes. You don't know his background. You don't know where he's come from. You don't know anything like that. And you would give him a job. So you tell me. And they said, well, look at the way he's engaging with the players. Look at the way that the session's organised. He's, like, he's bubbly. He's having fun. He's active. He's... Even when he arrived, when he got there, he shook, he, like, sounds stupid. He shook everyone's hand. He said hello. He tried to learn names. Like, all these things, they're all personality things. They're nothing to do with coaching. They're all about personality. So if you, if you have a certain personality, then you're able to then take on information. You're able to learn. You're able to grow as well. So by being able to get into a position where you're being interviewed for us at a professional football club you're at a certain level of competency you would like to think by the fact by the fact you have certain level of qualifications so you would imagine they would be able to coach at a certain level before they come in so for me it's more about who they are um it's about do they want to learn? Do they want to grow? Do they engage with the people around them? Are they interested in the players? And are they making the players feel special while they're there? The other bits, the X's, the O's, the, the way the session's designed, the fact that that box could be five yards bigger or five yards shorter, or it could be that you actually make that session wider, or you do it for a little bit longer in time or a little bit less time, are all things that I can help with. And they're all things that, that that your environment, hopefully, as a coaching unit helps with as well. Um, so you, of course, looking for a certain level of competency in terms of being able to understand the game and show that they're able to develop players and develop a session and develop a team um, in, a, in a game context. But most importantly, you, for me, I'm looking for people who want to learn, want to grow and want to help other people do that same thing. Um, if you can do that, then for me in, in a professional football environment you've you've got a real opportunity of of making something of yourself and the people around you brilliant part-time coaches again so a little challenge uh last call i'm going over my time here but last couple for you 
Um, coaches here in the US, when they have the part-time parent coaches and are talking about CPD and development, sometimes struggle with, uh, they don't have time for that there. And of course, yeah. How, how do you work out that challenge? Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate I've worked in the in the US, so I understand the like, that side of it as well. Um, obviously, people volunteering their time um, and like, we're, we're obviously fortunate we're able to to pay people for that time to come in and do that alongside their full time employment. Um, yes, it, it's always going to be a challenge that you've got. Most people have got a full time employment role. A, then another commitment, whether that be part-time or voluntary coaching, have families, have extended families, like to go on holidays, like, like to play golf or like tennis or whatever they want to do with their life as well. And you want them to do all of those things, of course. Um, being able to balance that is for, if you're in a senior, more senior role, being able to recognize that and understand that and say, I, un I do understand that and have some real true empathy with them. Um, uh, I've been working in academy football for a long, long time. But when I first did, I was working in a pub as well as coaching. So I know how it feels. I, I, I do. And so being able to remember that is really important and show some empathy, being able to take some things off them and be able to take some of the load off them is really important from a CPD point of view, being able to give them um, a base to work from. So in terms of if you want them to work on um, use the, the build earlier, you want them to build, right, give them two or three practices or designs that would allow them to be able to put the session on and and go so that for me that's my responsibility someone in my role's responsibility to be able to go it could look like this and then trust them to be able to change that and poach within it and do those sorts of things but as recognizing that they have other commitments and whilst this is our full-time employment and we can commit ourselves to it is really important there is always going to be a level of commitment that's needed to be able to develop young players or coaches or older players or whatever it is, regardless of what your whether it's full time, part time, voluntary involvement. If you want to work and and be with involved within the game, there will be some level of sacrifice. So I talk to everybody a lot about finding harmony. There's this misnomer that we can have work-life balance doesn't exist. Like nobody, whether it's football, whether it's football or any other industry, work-life balance does not exist. Work-life harmony does, where you can accept that maybe you work a bit too much in some people's eyes because you've got two jobs, you've got three jobs, uh, but you being okay with that and your family and your friends around you being okay with that is what brings you harmony around that. And then you're not feeling like you're being pulled from pillar to post. That takes a lot of time to get to that place as a, as a person, as an individual to accept that that's what it is. Um, but that's a lot that I talk to the coaches about. Like, don't please don't try and find work life balance because there's people who have been working for 50, 60 years of their life and they never found it. So if you if you try and find that, you'll, you'll always be left wanting. So find something you're comfortable with, find a level of commitment that you're you're happy with, helps you grow, helps the people around you grow and and really embrace it. Um, 
and be thankful to the people around you when you're not around for things every now and then and say thank and uh, thank them for their, their understanding. That's all you can do really for me. You were at Forest for four years, really good reputation as a club, some some really good thinkers there and developers there. What what were a couple of things that you learned or what impacted you the most? It's a good question. Um, I think being part of a club that has such a history of producing young players um, was fantastic. Um, I mean, um, they've, they've produced players at first team level, international level, Premier League level, for the last 30 years. Um, so one of the biggest things I took from being part of that club is that recognising that you're part of that club. That, that That's really, really important. That it is, it's more than you, that place. And, and other clubs are as well when you're across the world. Like they, you are there for a certain period of time to try and contribute to that. But ultimately the you're there for that football club. That's what it's about. Um, so that that was that was one of the biggest things for me, that just being able to go, right, well, you've not produced young players for 30 years for no reason. So look at the people around who've been there for a long time. What are they doing? What have they done before they got there as well? That meant that they're, they're still in that environment and they're also still producing players at the top level. Um, and the other thing for me would be that there was uh, a select few around me within that environment who was like just striving for more all the time and that thirst for okay we're good where we are but what's next we're good where we are but what's next right and so how can we make that that little bit better oh wouldn't it be good if we could do that and doing that on relatively for a for a club of that um size and stature on, on a relatively small provision at times as well so being able to go right well i can contribute to that i can contribute to this this person can help me with this because they're really good at it and um, so being able to lean on people around you was was really really important for me there um and hopefully they continue to have players that go on and play at various different levels um across the across the world um, because that's what that club's built its reputation on. When did you realise that this was a role that you thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to go down this pathway and, and lean into it a little bit? For me, I, I've been fortunate in that, I think in every role, well, in every role I've been in, I've had an element of coach education, coach development within it. So I alluded to time I worked in uh, in the US. I worked for New York Red Bulls within their training program. Um, and so being able to support junior coaches and support my parent coaches and things like that. And that was, um, for me, that was 12 years ago uh, now. Um, and so that wasn't the primary function of my role, but like starting doing that there. Um, and then same again in other environments, I worked for the FA in their education department. Whilst I wasn't on the grass with coaches, it was right, how do I find resources that help help coaches get better? Um, at Rotherham, focusing on like, the younger age groups and, and saying, right, how do I help the coaches around me get better and have a bit of pride in the, in those select groups that I have? So we alluded to earlier, we said sort of directors of coaching, having three or four 
age groups maybe so i had four at rotherham so for me it was about developing those coaches as well as developing the the players um and moving more into more bespoke coach development roles at forest and and now at Notts county i think i've been fortunate that i've i've had elements of coach development and coach education throughout my pathway um over the last sort of 14 years um and i feel like i can have more of an impact by being more strategic and more thought out in the way that I help others than I can if I coach a team to win 3-0 at the weekend. That's that's how I see things. I think we're here for something bigger than all of us eventually. And so if I can help grow the bigger picture, then the day-to-day -day stuff will improve as well. And I, I, I really enjoy that. Um, so there wasn't ever really a time I went like, I'm, I definitely want to go down that coach education route because, or coach development route, I should say, sorry, um, because I've been fortunate to do a bit of both all the time. And then, yeah, it's probably been the last sort of five years where I've really gone like, this is, this is the direction, coach development, really majorly focused on coach development um, and I've made that my, my day to day. Brent. Last one for you. I'm, I'm sure there's there's coaches that are listening and a lot of the leadership ones that we referenced at the start in those positions that are listening and and probably inspired, but also probably taken aback a little bit about the, the level of detail you're going in and, and the, the type of work you're going in. And they're saying, right, well, I want to take all this and go back tonight. <laughs> and, but then, But then they're still looking at the dynamics that we talked about earlier and doing multi-roles, all that good stuff. What what advice would you have for coaches that are, you know, like where where would they start? Um, what, where, what would have the biggest gain if you say they could really focus on one or two things? Um, for me, focus on who you are to other people and how you how that is perceived by a variety of different people focus on how the players see you how your coach your co-coaches see you how other people around you see you um because that will really help who you are ultimately in terms of uh, as a coach if you really want to improve as a coach then coach players and not the practice and so what i mean by that is not every session needs a brand new design with a brand new pass in practice or a brand new finishing practice or a brand new phase of play within it if you do the same practice but you're you've up your sleeve you've got these little cards that you can play that change the constraints or change the challenges or change the uh, the focus of it so if it might be one week it's an attacking practice and you concentrate on scoring loads of goals the next week's the same practice but you concentrate on the defending the focus is different you find yourself coaching players rather than coaching practices rather than going now remember when the ball goes to point a then point b and c you become alive and you can redo this and, I, and you end up coaching where people go and what people do rather than actually coaching the players um that would be that would be another one that i'd really really focus on um and finally like spend some time investing in yourself as much as you can um watching other people as much as you can talking to other people as much as you can and being being humble in that process and being aware that it doesn't matter whether it's a coach who's coached for 
five days or 50 years, there might be something you can take from them because they might have seen something completely different. Brilliant. Wow. Great way to finish it. Jake, thank you so much. Outstanding. Uh, thank you. Really, really appreciate you having me. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kerneen on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.